0: I'm attorney Donna DiMaggio-Berger, and this is Take It to the Board, where we speak condo and HOA. For our special Thanksgiving podcast episode, we're going to change things up and try something we've never done before. I'm going to switch seats and hand the hosting duties over to my show producer, Stephanie Mayer. Normally, Steph sits behind the scenes and does all the post-production magic to package and deliver our take-it-to-the-board conversations to you, but she does a whole lot more than that. In addition to podcast production, Stephanie serves as Senior Vice President of Marketing and Social Media with Jaffe, the oldest legal marketing professional services firm in the U.S., where she focuses on strategic social media marketing and makes lawyers and the law a whole lot more interesting to read about. Thanks to her way with words. She's been such a collaborative partner to have during the creation and launch of Take It to the Board and I can't think of anyone else I trust more to pass the microphone to for just a minute. So Steph, it's all here. <laughs>
1: And I know how much trust it takes to give your child to someone. So I do appreciate that. So I know we had some lofty goals when we talked about launching this and, and making sure that it had value to not just our clients at Becker, but also to the community association industry at large. How do you
0: think we did? Well, normally I would be asking you that question, but listen, I think that overall it has fulfilled my ambitions in terms of what I thought this could be. I mean, I wanted to start out to have some great conversations with people that I've known for a long time people who have a passion for this industry, and just learn a little bit more about them, what attracted them to working with community associations. And I think we've done that. We, we've had some great guests on. You know, it was important to me to, to fill the space that I felt existed in the podcast market where people who live in the communities or serve on the board or work with them to find information while also being entertained. You know, there's a lot of classes and webinars out there that are put on by a variety of vendors in the community association industry, even put on by state officials. But with a podcast, it really, in my opinion, kind of fits in a little more easily with people's daily calendars. You know, you can start and stop when you want. That's For me, that's been the beauty of podcasts. You know, I started listening during the pandemic. That became part of my morning routine, and I had a variety of podcasts. I could listen to them uh, over morning coffee, or if I was driving, and then stop and start. And pick it
1: up. I know for me, I was a first time homeowner in 2019 and I didn't realize that there was so much to being part of an HOA. And I, I laughed because while there was no official onboarding in my HOA, I actually got a crash course just working with the Community Association Law Team with Becker. But then being involved in these conversations and hearing even more from every guest that we've had on has been really helpful.
0: You are the target audience. You were living in an HOA, but you really didn't know much in terms of You know, how does it operate? What laws impact? What can I or can I not do with my property? How intrusive is the HOA going to be into my life? Uh, You know, should I get involved? All those types of things. There are millions of people living in shared ownership communities throughout the country. I mean, let's break it down. Florida has Mm 60,000 community association. Amazing to me. That's one state, but you've got states like the one you're sitting in. Texas has a significant number of community associations, California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, and most developers these days, that's all they're building is new housing inside mandatory community associations. So that was where I sort of perceived, hey, you know, we want to educate, but we want to entertain too. It was never my goal to speak to people in legalese, right? I said, right. Hey, lawyers look a lot better because you really break it down. And look, there's a time and place for a more formal conversation. Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to educate people, it often helps if you're just bringing them into a conversation.
1: Well, because then I feel more comfortable being being a little bit of a ditz and going, well, I don't understand why this has to be this way. And well, I bought this house. Can't I do whatever I want? Yeah, the HOA is supposed to handle trash cans and the color of my door. But I really didn't understand the full benefits that came with having oversight on the whole community maintenance thing that why we were paying HOA fees. It was never a sell point for me. The house was fantastic. The neighborhood was lovely, but really getting backstage and seeing what it takes to Make that lovely neighborhood, and and to protect that community spirit, and how instrumental the board can be in that. It's kind of just so like drinking from a fire hydrant.
0: There are some significant legal consequences as well that sometimes new buyers and sometimes even people who've lived in the community for a while don't understand. For instance, in Florida, your condo unit or your, your, your home in a homeowners association could be your homesteaded property. But if you don't pay your assessments, you can lose that property. The association has the ability to lean and foreclose and take away your property. That's a pretty significant consequence. Yeah, I've been at meetings with new owners where somebody will stand up and say, well, no, the association, you know, if I don't pay, you know, they can't take my house. Well, that's not correct. So it really is important that people moving into these communities understand that there can be some really significant consequences up to and including losing your home over a legal battle.
1: I don't know if that is just an oversight in my particular HOA or if that's just something that happens regularly with new buyers. They're given the, the governing mm-hmm. documents or the big book of rules, but it's never really broken down to, Hey, this is actually what, what life here entails, both, both positive and negative or potentially negative. Um,
0: well, I also say that human nature is to think that sometimes you're going to be the exception. I'm not supposed to have a pickup truck. I have one, but you know what, I'll get in there and, and we'll, we'll change the rules. It doesn't often work that way. So people, I think sometimes will look at the rules and think, well, that's not going to apply to me. When in fact you need to understand and I would I would recommend that that every new purchaser retain their own counsel beforehand. If you don't want to read the documents, retain counsel and ask counsel for a legal opinion regarding the use restrictions. It's it's money well worth it as opposed to taking the ostrich approach of not knowing what's in the documents and hoping for the best after you get in. That can be costly. And also this is your home. This is a living together relationship. If you're fighting, you know, with some nameless, faceless corporation, you're fighting with your
1: neighbors. I think to your point about retaining counsel for people who aren't as immersed in the legal industry, I I run into this occasionally being a marketing person for lawyers. And I talk to non-legal industry connected folks who are just completely intimidated by the idea of calling a lawyer calling a law firm asking for a 15 minute can I talk to you about what I can talk to you about and a lot of people still find that to be really intimidating and one of the things that I love about what I do for a living is that I get to tell people those lawyers love their craft for 95% of the lawyers because we've got some bad apples here and there but 95% of the lawyers really want to help people in business in life Do things correctly, stay compliant, be safe, be successful. And it really is what drives them. And seeing people in this, as you said, where it is about people's homes, they take that even more seriously to where there's a lot more about protecting, educating people, whether you're serving on the board or you're part of the shared ownership community, so you can all be better neighbors.
0: Well, I'm glad you're out there telling people that lawyers are not as scary. <laughs> The Best ones are like the best anything, the best auto mechanic, the best accountant. They, they went into it for a reason, which is to help people. I think people can quickly tell When they're dealing with somebody who loves what they do, regardless of the industry, regardless of the profession, regardless of the job, I think you can tell when you're dealing with somebody who A, likes dealing with people and B, likes what they do.
1: Do you think that's part of how this show or you specifically are changing the dialogue around community association life um, and what that means and what it's going to look like once we get through all of the impacts that are happening because of, you know, the unmentionable.
0: (laughs) Listen, Steph, I certainly hope so. One of the goals of the podcast is to turn down the heat in these communities. There's a lot of problems that have been bubbling up, but to the extent that we can get people talking and getting a better understanding of what it means to live inside a mandatory community association... I think we can turn that heat down. There's been very negative dialogue about community associations for decades now. There's even been skits on Comedy Central. I remember one it was uh, the HOA and the board was driving around in golf carts and they were handing out fines like candy for too many flags or for grass that was you know a half an inch too high. There's a lot of negativity around community associations. This has been the case for, as I said, years and years. and look, some of that criticism is well earned. There are some boards that are overzealous. Like one client, um, I think it was like three years ago, hand me their rule book and it was 22 pages long. And one of the first things we did, yeah. was talk about: do you need all these rules? What are the problems you're looking to solve? So, you know, some of the criticism is well deserved. But as I said, the reality is there's 60,000 associations in the state of Florida alone. There are millions and millions of people living in shared ownership communities throughout the country and throughout the world. Developers keep building communities with a mandatory association structure in place. And guess what? Cities and counties, they don't want to take these communities back and start doing the job that millions of volunteer board members are doing every day right now. The concept is here. The lifestyle is here. It's in everyone's best interest if we start elevating the dialogue regarding community association life.
1: So just as an aside, why is that becoming the preferred model for neighborhoods or communities? Can you talk about the evolution towards that?
0: A couple of different things. Florida has been the pioneer, Steph, in terms of the shared ownership concepts. Our shared ownership statutes are decades old. And you compare that to a state like Montana or Wyoming, you know, their statutes are much younger and they're much leaner. Our condo act is over 150 pages now. But this is a great question to ask a developer. I will give you my own ideas about why developers continue to build and mostly are building in these shared ownership communities. I believe that the shared ownership community lifestyle, the appeal, it involves standards, involves security, and it involves amenities that you would, and location. Think about it. I don't want to be in an HOA because I don't want to follow the rules, but I also right. want a tennis court. I want security. I want a pool. As a homeowner, you're not going to be able to afford those
1: things. I loved that in my HOA that I had a pool, but I didn't have to do anything about them, and the the whole relief of not having to worry about pool maintenance, and I never had to mow any grass because. The HOA took care of that. So there was just really all I had to take care of was the inside of my home.
0: But that is another factor that a lot of people like the turkey lifestyle. I go into my unit. I leave my unit. I can go on vacation for three months and come back. I haven't had to deal with the the landscaping or any other maintenance. Yeah, that is certainly part of the appeal. But look, everything in life is a Mm trade-off. So you you can't want certain things and then at the same time say, well, I I don't want to be governed by the association. I don't want to follow the rules. It it is a trade-off and you've got to you've got to figure out whether or not that lifestyle is worth the
1: trade-off. So, we've had some trade-offs in getting guests and just making sure people are comfortable when they are sitting behind the mic. Everyone we've had on the show it has been fantastic. Is there anything that stands out to you, any takeaways that that they've left with the show that you recall that has just been a really big highlight for the for this first season?
0: Wow. I mean, we've only had phenomenal guests. And mm-hmm. we've been very lucky in that regard. I mean, we started out with James Donnelly of the capital. Mm-hmm. He's just an incredible entrepreneur. I, I still remember him telling us that the reason he decided to become an accountant, and I hadn't known he was a certified public accountant. Remember he's from Canada mm-hmm. was that they had no grass in their yard. <laughs> they were basically growing potatoes in their front yard because this was, they were, they were economically disadvantaged, but the guy in his neighborhood with the fancy car was a certified public accountant. And and that's what led him on that path. And, you know, I just I love James and still remains one of my favorite um, episodes. Then we went into Nicole Johnson, accountant extraordinaire. Love her. Loved her energy. Loved every I loved how she broke down the financial reporting for associations. Because you want to talk about things being confusing for residents. You know, patients mm-hmm. are required to send out their financial reports. But I often wonder what people do when they get them. Like, do they sit and stuff? I'm sure there's some people that when they get the financial reports from their their condo or their HOA, they sit and they pour over them. And and but I have to believe the vast majority of people, their eyes glaze over when they're looking at this. So, that would be me. <laughs> so to have somebody break that down for you, I, I thought was 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 really
1: useful. And she did. She made it really approachable, which I I was very grateful for.
0: Then we had Brett Philo talking about association websites and and the online voting, which you know now down here in Florida we're approaching annual meeting and election season and I loved his comments about hacking in you know when when online voting first came out steph the first thing was oh you know it's going to be you know vulnerable to fraud and the reality is it's really not I I suppose <laughs> If a, a gang of spies wanted to hack into your, <laughs> they could if they really put their arm to it. But the reality is the paper ballots are much more vulnerable to just being tossed in a garbage bin, perhaps. But yeah. it, online voting is something that's gaining popularity since the pandemic. We had a lot of virtual meetings. So I loved what Brett was talking about. We had um, Mary McPhee, Commissioner Mary McPhee in Weston and her advocacy. I did not know that she started out and it was all about the mold in schools. And it's funny because I remember when my kids were in elementary school, they were creating all those those pods, so much crowding in public schools. So you'd go one day and the next week there'd be all these pods that had popped up and kids would be taking art class in one pod or math in another. And so her fight with regard to her two kids, that was interesting. And by the way, her kids turned down. One's a Tesla engineer. (laughs) <laughs> I want to talk about that. Chris Ayu from Real Manage, talking to the combat veteran, opened mm-hmm. up about his mental health challenges, which was so incredibly brave of him and generous to sit and talk to us about that. I've enjoyed. Listen, I've enjoyed all of the people we've had on. I I can't wait for 2022.
1: I'm looking forward to that strategy meeting. We sit there and start identifying folks to include in the conversation because we've had such a good season, and I cannot wait for next season.
0: So to me, the mark of a good or great podcast is you get a tidbit to take to a cocktail party. And now that we're having cocktail parties again, I will tell you that the thing I remembered was Joanne Burnett, my partner here at Becker, mentioning that the craziest emotional support animal request she got Was I, I I know you remember this one, 28 sheep and two goats. So that's one that I pull out at at cocktail parties occasionally. And
1: that would have made me question my career choices (laughs) (laughs) if I, if I had been Joanne, but to that point of planning for next season, is there anyone in particular you're hoping to get? Do you have a dream guest? So I do have a dream guest. My dream guest
0: would be somebody who I think has done some really cool stuff in life on their own terms. And also happens to live in a condo or an HOA. You ready for this? Find out if Richard Branson lives in a condo or a homeowners association. Virgin Music, now Virgin Hotels, Virgin Air. And he's got the Virgin Cruise Lines now, actually in the same city where I am, Plantation. That's, that was their headquarters. So yeah, he'd be, he would be a, an incredible guest. Would love to talk to him. He actually had a, a joke. Richard Branson had a joke. Do you know how to become a millionaire? Start, no. start out a billionaire and buy an airline <laughs> I, I think if you're listening to this podcast i'm pretty sure that was your joke that i just retold <laughs> but this stuff, i'm going to turn it back on you because you have your own podcast the pivot hey wait a minute yes the pivot syndicate so um who would be your dream guest
1: I wouldn't mind having Sir Richard Branson, but the the Pivot Syndicate really deals with what we focus on is personal and professional reinvention. So people who have confronted their own limiting beliefs about things are not possible because I check box A or B. I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too short, I'm too whatever, so I can't do X, Y, or Z. And these are all people who have basically said, wait a minute, Why? And then found an answer that worked for them to go try whatever they wanted to do and to really test themselves and, and build a life that was true to who they, they are. I also follow a uh, business mentor, Marie Forleo, who runs Marie TV on YouTube. She's been such an influence in my life and her closer of every episode that she does is the world needs that special something that only you have. And when you think about producing anything, whether it's a podcast or a family or a community, it it really is all about the individual variables in that equation. And no one, no one is exactly you. So whatever you have to give or say or share or contribute will have value and is necessary and you shouldn't keep it to yourself. So she's someone that I would love to have on there. And I
0: love the premise of your podcast. It's positive. It's approachable. And wouldn't that be great in our communities if we had more of that feeling that, yeah, there's... A lot of diverse opinions in this community at this board meeting, at this membership meeting, but everybody deserves to be heard. There's a level of respect that's given, and it's just a more collaborative effort to make the community
1: function well. That would be an amazing thing if it would happen on our community levels, because then you know that would be the ripple effect that would go even wider and it would maybe change some of the, the larger conversation, the tone of the larger conversations. And that would be an incredible thing to see.
0: A really positive step forward.
1: We're doing what we can with this show to create some positivity and change. And I know we've gotten some responses from folks who are grateful for what we've shared, but that's what they're thankful for. They're thankful for us. What are you thankful for?
0: Just incredibly thankful for my, my family, my friends. I'm really thankful. You know, COVID taught us a lot of hard lessons, maybe lessons that that we needed to learn earlier, but we've nevertheless, we've learned them, kicking and screaming. I'm thankful that there's still people willing to serve on boards and volunteer. You know, once we get to the point where, where people no longer want to volunteer in our society, we're going to have some real issues. And this is across the board. But again, Getting people to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to actually put myself out there. I'm going to run for the board Then I'm going to actually show up. I'm going to go to meetings. I served on, on the board and I had homework like in between meetings. I had stuff to do, like tasks to do for the association. So in light of the divisiveness, the growing divide that we're, we're seeing around the world and in light of the challenges that the pandemic brought, because you had board members having to really be tough and say, no, we've got to shut this down for right now. These are the the protocols for right now. Even in the face of really vocal criticism, they kept going. I'm grateful that we still have people who are willing to volunteer and give of themselves. Um, You you saw that with the frontline workers who they didn't, they couldn't shut down. They had to keep going. and They were, I'm sure, fearful of what the next day was going to bring. I'm also really thankful I did not, I did lose one board member during the pandemic, but I have hundreds of board members that I work with. So I'm I'm thankful that our COVID losses were kept to a minimum. You know, we onboarded a new associate here in, in the Community Association Practice Group in Fort Lauderdale. You know, we onboarded her during the pandemic. Partially when the office was shut down and she's incredible and she's in, she's a huge asset to our team. So I'm thankful that we were able to bring new people in during a very challenging time.
1: And I think those are all really important to be grateful for, because those are things that I think we do take for granted, you know, our health, our neighbors, our family, our friends, even our jobs. I do agree with you that that is something that having this incredible shift in what our day-to-day normal became really highlighted how privileged we had been and what we're going to do going forward. That's what it's all about. Donna, I think if I were, in fact, the show's producer, it would be a fantastic place for us to wrap up the conversation. But is there anything that you really want to leave the listeners with this holiday season?
0: Yes. For those of you who have joined us for any of our podcast episodes this year, thank you so much. It's been an unbelievable pleasure to have these conversations and have a safe and beautiful Thanksgiving with your loved ones. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a review so more people can take it to the board and visit board.com for more information.